0: hello i'm johnny mockney and welcome back to we are movies uh thank you so much for coming back uh today i talked to brett hayden who is a stand-up comedian in the lansing area soon to be a stand-up comedian in the ann arbor area but he's a prone he gets around so it doesn't really matter uh we talked about his favorite movie in bruges which is a wonderful dark comedy written and directed by martin mcdonough um and Brett is a guy who also really loves movies so naturally we got off topic quite a few times uh and I just decided to leave it all in there you can make a drinking game uh take a drink every time we name drop another movie cuz it happens a lot um one thing i should point out which i guess i never do is uh we're totally going to spoil this entire movie so uh go see it it's on netflix it's a really great movie and then uh, come back here and enjoy this episode of We Are Movies. All right, thanks for being on. Absolutely, dude. Uh, so we're talking about In Bruges. Um, what a great movie. What I, The first question that I always want to ask is like, what your first experience was with it, and why you watched it.
1: Okay. Guess, too. The first reason I watched it... Well, actually, the first movie I saw of... Uh, it is... How do you say his last It's Martin McDonough? Martin McDonough, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw Seven Psychopaths first. Oh, yeah. And I really like Colin Farrell quite mm-hmm. a bit. Like, I've followed Colin Farrell, basically, since he started acting. Uh, and I like... All of his movies, actually. What was part.
0: what was like Colin Farrell's claim to fame? Like what uh, claim to fame? We can IMDb. I, I guess don't, we could. No. I
1: don't remember. Oh, it good. wasn't like I like started following him in like a linear like order, so to speak. But just like sure. I, every movie I've seen him in, I like him in it, even if the movie's bad. Right. I just like him as an actor. Um, if you go on IMDb, the first thing that pops up is SWAT. <laughs> SWAT.
0: <laughs> oh, the lobster. Well, yeah. the lobster's a later one. Yeah,
1: that's yeah. a later one. Um, yeah. I mean I guess for deep diving. I would say the first big thing he did was maybe minority report? That yeah. was the first thing he was that he, sounds started, about well, right. he, he started in phone booth. That was Daredevil,
0: I, he was the
1: Yeah. Yeah. One of the first <laughs> big things I saw him in was uh, phone booth. Phone booth, oh yeah. 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 And
0: that
1: was a that was a nice little
0: took place in one location for the most part, ninety minute thriller. Yeah. movie. Uh, yeah. Uh so so you watched Seven Psychopaths. Because of Colin Farrell.
1: Yeah, because uh, I had seen a review on YouTube, this guy Chris Stuckman. and Yeah, uh, yeah you're familiar. Shout and, out, Chris. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he had just mentioned, like, Seven Psychopaths was just, like, a darker... It felt like a dark, longer episode of Seinfeld. Like, it's just a lot of conversation. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, that's that speaks to me a little bit. Yeah. So I watched it, and I was like, I really like this guy's writing. I like the way... He, like, writes characters. So right. I watched that, and then I... Of course, when you like one guy's movie, you're like, what else has he done? Hmm. And then I saw In Bruges. And, of course, before you watch it, you do a little research, you like, reviews, Rotten Tomatoes. And I found out uh, uh, Roger Ebert gave it four stars, and I was like, okay. I don't agree with everything Roger Ebert says because he's given like two of my favorite movies, like Blue Velvet and Fight Club, I believe one or two stars apiece. Oh yeah, he hated Blue Velvet. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, That's my favorite David Lynch movie. You know? <laughs> like, but conversely, he's also given Mulholland and Drive four stars. So I'm like, he's right. not totally off. Yeah, but it was interesting to see him give Blue Velvet such a low score. It's
0: I think it's always interesting to see somebody like Ebert, who's one of the most you know renowned critics ever, and just see when a movie first came out and there was nothing culturally to tell us what we'd think of it later yeah just what he thought of it as a new movie you know yeah so and uh the other thing too is just like i it's funny because
1: maybe with the exception of the elephant man as well it's probably just like in terms of like it's just the most straightforward movie so to speak uh, like blue velvet like, yeah in terms of like your oh, yeah. story line. yeah there's so.
0: definitely a story it's not yeah. a racer head like you can yeah. <laughs> there's an a it's to not a racer head it's not uh, what's your favorite david lynch movie Maybe a racer. Eraser? Head eraser? really? <laughs> yeah. Do you have yeah. the Criterion? I do have the Criterion. Blu-ray yeah. or DVD? Blu-ray. Okay. Of course. I'm not. I'm not some kind of. <laughs> you're no. You're no some peasant. low class. <laughs> you're no
1: peasant paying thirty dollars <laughs> instead of forty.
0: Forty dollars. Well, I think it was Barnes and Noble half off, so it was twenty. Oh, do five. you
1: do the yearly? Uh, what is it? The Black Friday, or is something it something like that?
0: Christmas it's Day, or they do something. They do it like twice a year. Twice they do a their year, fifty yeah. Percent off Criterion. Yeah, too. Barnes
1: and Noble they do it, and then also. Uh, There's another place. Isn't it right on the Criterion store they do that, like, once a year?
0: Uh, Yes. Yeah, Yeah, they do that. Definitely, yeah.
1: Um, do uh, Do you online it, or do you actually go to a Barnes & Noble?
0: Um, if I can go to a Barnes & Noble, I do, but if there's something that they don't have there, because the, I'd prefer not to have it shipped, because yeah. their shipping is weird sometimes. It's so. chipped, but also, too, I like actually, like, picking up the physical copy,
1: because sometimes yes. when they ship it, because usually the cool thing about Criterion is, like, yeah, it is $40, but you get all this cool stuff, but the problem is the fear of, like, it being damaged when you get it in right, the Right, because they're
0: up. always in, like, cardboard yeah.
1: <laughs> boxes. Like, I have the, the, uh, well, I actually gave it to a friend of mine, he was... Uh, he's a big fan of a Repo Man but he didn't run oh, yeah. the Criterion and it was like the Blu-ray DVD combo and it has the coolest artwork and this fold-out booklet yeah. and all this stuff and I paid like 40 bucks for it but I actually went to the store to make sure it was like in good condition Right, because right. that weird thing of just like if you get a movie that's like even if like the like even on like lesser movies like I bought Cabin in the Woods on uh, Amazon and the lenticular cover was damaged so oh, yeah. I asked
0: for a better copy of it I um I, I got the... Because I ordered from online, Barnes & Noble, I ordered the Godzilla Criterion. Nice. And it was like an accordion, like crushed like, uh. when it showed up. So that's like... I try to avoid that as much as I can now. Yeah,
1: with like the shell case
0: is like cracked on the top or like yeah. the clear case where it's like obvious. It's just, yeah. Right, right. Um, but I do... Uh, um, I'd, I'd say second place for me for David Lynch is uh, Mulholland Drive, which I also have the criterion of.
1: So. Um, I actually, I don't know if for me, if it's like Blue Velvet's number one, but two is either a tie for me between uh, uh, Mulholland Drive or I'm one of the few people that really likes Lost Highway. I love Lost Highway. I yeah. love, I mean, it's not like, I think it's just because it gets lost in the shuffle because even there's like right. a big demographic of people who also like Inland Empire. Yes. Like, yeah. Inland Empire, geez, better not speak. But, uh, yeah, even Inland, I haven't watched that in a while, but it's, like, three
0: hours, it's shot on, like, standard, <laughs> Video, yeah, like, like is it, yeah,
1: yeah it's, like, standard definition, like, DV almost, yeah. or something, yeah.
0: yeah. Which is like if they ever made a Blu-ray of that, it would just be kind of redundant.
1: I had (laughs) I had made a joke to somebody. I was like, one of my favorite movies is Twenty Eight Days Later. The problem is, there's no reason to buy the Blu-ray. Right, because that movie's also like the digital like. But the thing is, like when you put it on a shelf, you're like, well, I don't want it to be like there's like a hundred Blu-rays in a row, and then there's just one DVD sticking out. It just looks ridiculous.
0: They they were really smart with the proportions, so they knew if you bought a few Blu-rays, you'd want to buy the rest. Yeah. Just just if you're OCD about the size. Oh yeah. yeah. It
1: was uh. So what I ended up doing just to get over that like hurdle like mentally was uh i got the uh double feature which was uh 28 days and 28 weeks because 28 weeks is just shot like a regular movie yeah it's i have that one too yeah yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. do you like 28 weeks i do like 28 weeks i think
1: it's entertaining the first one's definitely the better movie Mm -hmm. no doubt but Mm -hmm. i think 28 weeks is a worthy sequel that doesn't get talked about enough
0: yeah i agree so we have we have laid the groundwork for like three future episodes if we need to oh perfect
1: oh you know we could do we could plan it right now come uh, Halloween I mean I'll be living in Ann Arbor at the time but I mean oh, I'd I'm, make the drive it's, out it's not far oh no but yeah. I was going to say i make the drive out we should do a uh, a list of uh, best movies to watch around Halloween oh for sure yeah def- we could, 30, we could a 31
0: movie. days of October oh yeah we could do a year. we could do a whole list for yeah. uh, Halloween oh, that'd be I'd, fun yeah let's do it Oh let's, yeah, I'll hold you that alright um, it's on the record so uh, yeah, so Ebert liked In Bruges, four stars. Uh, so you would seen seven. So you like Seven Psychopaths. I love Seven Psychopaths. Yeah. When I actually put uh, his three, he's only done three movies so far, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah.
1: Uh, a lot of people like uh, they would say Seven Psychopaths is their least favorite. I go In Bruges, Seven Psychopaths, and then Three, three Billboards. Billboards. Yeah. Did
0: you like Three Billboards?
1: I really liked Three Billboards. Yeah. I of course because being a fan of the other two movies, I saw it the first day it came in theaters. Right. I actually saw it at the main art in Royal Oak.
0: Oh yeah, which, I I had to, I drove to the uh, the Michigan Theater in Ann Arbor. actually, Because oh, nice. yeah, yeah. it wasn't playing here yet.
1: Yeah, Michigan yeah. Theater is really cool too, because they'll do like the midnight showings and stuff. Yeah. I saw Fight Club there. Just nice. it's always cool to see like the older movies that you weren't able to see as a kid, like, but on like a big screen with like people. Right. Which is always uh. I don't know. It's just like feels like nostalgia. It makes you feel like it was 1999 again. Oh yeah, bit. yeah. I
0: just saw Jurassic Park in theaters. Oh no, Mj- Yeah, yeah. And that Would was you... like that was an experience. What was... year
1: did the original Jurassic was like 93?
0: Yeah, yeah. 93. Because Lost
1: World came out in like what 95, yeah, it wasn't long after. Yeah, and then the third one was like 2001 or something. Right?
0: Something like that. Yeah. And then they took their hiatus until for like, Jurassic World. <laughs> and they were like, money!
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: They're kids like, what do, what do we got?
1: Do people still like dinosaurs? Yeah.
0: Do they like Chris right. Pratt? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Put <laughs> it, was, it was, together. It was the marriage of the, of the two interests for kids.
1: I mean, uh, I don't want to get uh, go down a rabbit hole here, but in Bruges, mm. uh, real quick, that should be a Criterion.
0: Oh, point. for sure, yeah. I mean, it's I going
1: to be at some point. There's no yeah.
0: doubt it's going to be. I mean, this is, uh, so I can say we're both, we're both, uh, I mean, you more so than I are a stand up comedian. Uh, like, prof- you professionally are. I mean, I, I
1: appreciate that, but yeah. you are also, for how new you are, you have no reason to be <laughs> as good as you are for how new oh, okay, you are. Okay, I appreciate I think you're a very
0: good comic for how new you are. Uh, I mean, that being said, I don't know if you feel this way. Okay. But, uh,. Uh, for me, like the movies that I laugh at the most are usually not straight comedies. Yeah, they're movies like In Bruges. Like In Bruges, In Bruges. American Psycho. American Psycho is another one. That movie's hilarious. Like like the movies that aren't maybe classified strictly as a comedy. Yeah. But I think it's it comes from the empathy that comes from just regular drama
1: yeah you, th- sometimes the drama of real life it's just so relatable and in your face it's just it's maybe it's even a, like a little bit of an uncomfortable laugh sometimes oh, for because sure. you're just like facing this very real thing that you probably dealt with in your life mm-hmm. and uh yeah like i look when i even send you that list of like movies we could have uh, potentially talked about i realized i was like wow uh Rouge, American Psycho. The most straight comedy I think I sent you was uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and yeah. even that's darkly comic at times. Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. And there's still murder and <laughs> still oh, it's still mur- it's a spoof. Uh, if anybody hasn't seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, it's a complete like
0: parody of film noir. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah. 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 It's it's like Unleashed Shane Black like Un- Yeah basically Shane
1: Black also the Nice Guys that's
0: the, another Nice Guys is a
1: fantastic
0: what movie. a that's it's so underrated I yeah. got so mad that the Nice Guys bombed at the box office yep. when we could have had Bomb a great miserably. we could have had a great buddy cop franchise with the Nice Guys instead yeah. we get Ride Along 2 yep. but we don't get a Nice Guys to 2. be fair
1: I mean well it's also my fault I gave Ride Along a chance because I was like you know what Kevin Hart he's not like I wouldn't call him like an amazing actor or anything he yeah. entertains me Ice Cube sure, we'll put them together. I'll give it a chance. See what happens. I was like, you know what? 10% around Tomatoes? Maybe this will just be a popcorn movie. I saw it and I walked away from it and it has gone. It's just like I just
0: I $8. You, you got me again Kev. You got me again Kev. <laughs> um, But I, I think... Uh, movie Pass, baby. No, that was before Movie Pass. Oh, uh, was that pre-Movie Pass? <laughs> it was yeah, pre-Movie Pass. I did go through a weird period with Movie Pass where I just saw so many things I would have never otherwise saw.
1: I took advantage of it before... Uh, it was Before too good to be true. Weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It really was the crossfit of movies, though. If you had movies oh, you could not
0: shut the hell up about it. Oh, yeah, I kept telling people about it until the, until the day they stopped. Yep. And then, um, yeah, and then I think I I held on to it for like a month after they changed, and then I let go. Uh, but, yeah, I saw Gotti because they kept telling me to. Yeah. I don't know why anyone else would see Gotti for any reason. Gotti, is that the one? It's the John Travolta... Uh, uh, mob movie. The okay. past like, helped produce it. Yeah. So they kept advertising it. Okay. What was the other... Oh, Gringo. That's what I was thinking
1: with uh, Charlize Theron.
0: Yeah, and uh, the... the yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: and uh, uh, what's... Oh, John it, Boyega.
0: No, no, no. Oh, I think no, it was uh, David Oyelowo. Uh, was that who it was? I thought it was John... I don't know why I thought it was John Boyega. I... I think they look a bit similar. They got round faces. Yeah, yeah. it's like a rounder
1: face for sure. Yeah. I don't know. I think the only reason I contemplated it is because another really underrated comedy that's kind of darkly comic is Attack the Block.
0: Oh, I love that! Movie. I yeah. love Attack the yeah. Block.
1: What a cool comedy monster movie,
0: dude! Yeah, it's sort of a, it's sort of like a smaller scale, like Edgar Wright kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Too. I was
1: gonna make the comparison. I was like, I know it's not part of the uh, the Cornetto trilogy, but it feels like it's in that world almost. Yeah, yeah. The it's presentation.
0: Like a, it's like a cousin to the yeah. Cornetto movies. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I mean, I, I mean, speaking of Edgar Wright, when we uh, Lou and I actually talked about this a little bit in the last one, but uh, I, I think that when i'm talking about movies that aren't necessarily comedies obviously all of edgar wright's movies are pretty much comedies yeah but he still benefits from the fact that he cares a lot about his characters yes and i think that's where a lot of mainstream comedies kind of fall apart is like a they don't care that much about their characters and b they don't care much about making a movie outside of the comic like the comedy. The closest comparison I can make to that is like uh,
1: Family Guy has the like a similar thing going. They write jokes, but they don't really focus on making the characters like right. make you care about the characters. That right. Much.
0: Nobody cares about Peter Griffin. Yeah. Uh, that's not.
1: Yeah. Family Guy is background noise while I'm writing jokes or while <laughs> I'm. Uh you know, doing anything
0: else, because right.
1: I just, it's just a throwaway joke show, and I think they yeah. even are aware of it at this well, point.
0: And I even, and I hate to say this, because I do like most of his movies, but I think a lot of it kind of has to do with, like, the revolution of, like, Judd Apatow movies, which became, yes, rant, run the camera, and people will riff, and then you'll fix it's it. It's a lot anime. of
1: improvised because, uh, and I'm sure you own a good chunk, because there's still funny movies, a good yeah. chunk of, well, of them.
0: S- Super Bad's, like, one of my favorite movies. Super
1: Bad's yeah, up yeah, there, yeah. 40-Year-Old Virgin. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things about 40-Year-Old Virgin, actually, is, uh... Because uh, this was back when uh, I, the DVD was out. Like, I didn't have Blu-ray back in 2006, six seven. It came out mm. in, like, 2004, 2005. But uh, uh, the two-disc set was cool because it had, like, upwards to, like, three hours of just, like, deleted scenes, right. bloopers, all this kind of stuff. The uh, the infamous scene with uh, Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen. The, you know how you're gay? Yeah. yeah, and it was just, <laughs> like, I, I like watching all that stuff to know what didn't make the cut. Right. So that when you watch the movie, you're
0: like, oh, that's interesting. And then you can kind of, Put they, it all together. It's nice to think about how Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd just kind of went at it on this topic, and then they just picked out the the best. Yeah, and essentially. Put it in the movie. And I mean, movies like that, I think it works. But then when you see movies like what Paul Feig did with the new Ghostbusters, yeah, he kind of uses the same approach to comedy, but it doesn't work for that kind of movie. You know, yeah. is the problem where it works for if it's a movie about a bunch of guys just hanging out? Well, it's, it's a realistic like life thing. Yeah, Ghostbusters.
1: Yeah. That's that because it's like about ghosts and like uh, (laughs) like it should be a little bit more of a controlled environment exactly
0: yeah a little more like polished a polished a sharpened script yeah uh would have worked for that do you think i mean they've
1: made the joke about it like they did it at the james franco roast do you think judd apatow movies are like a half hour too long a lot of them some of them i do prefer the theatrical cuts of like definitely knocked up 40 year old virgin
0: i don't think i've even seen the unrated cuts of those movies i I never theatrical cut
1: I, I, I I've say, only no. seen the theatrical. Okay, cuts that's what I'm things saying. Things. Yeah, yeah, I like
0: yeah. I prefer the theatrical cuts. Yeah, because uh, yeah, it's like four year old virgins already like a two hour comedy, and it's like yeah. oh, 17 more minutes. I'm like, Did they, it's not like, even necessary yeah. when you watch it. Just, <laughs> I feel like it was
1: right on the edge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I I came to this conclusion is like I mean, as pretentious as he is, uh, Eli Roth, uh, he has I've heard multiple interviews with him just raving a uh, ranting against. He thinks comedies need to be just punchy, 90 minutes, airtight. They don't <laughs> yeah. need to be anything... Like, a
0: comedy doesn't need to be more than two hours. You know what's yeah. funny is that Eli Roth has said some of my favorite things about movies. But his movies... But I don't really like yeah. any of his movies. Dude, <laughs> like, <laughs> he's one of my favorite people to talk about
1: movies. Yeah, exactly. But in terms of like his movies themselves, like I like Cabin Fever. Cabin, Cabin Fever fun. is his hidden gem that I think everybody should see. It's, right. it's really funny. It's campy.
0: That's a movie that's not a traditional comedy that will have me yes. v- laughing really the hard. The
1: ending that, is so funny. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The
0: ending is great. No. No. Even no need to spoil. Just just right. see it. Don't see the remake of Cabin Fever though. D- yeah. The the, <laughs> the the weird where they use the exact same script. Yeah. Uh, basically. Yeah. Don't see that. Don't see this. I I never. Patient I saw, Zero. I think I saw one of the sequels. Yeah. It's like uh, called, Sean Astin was in one of them. Yeah. I, it's, think. I
1: think it's called Patient Zero. I or think something? so. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, and then also like I mean the rest of Eli Ross filmography like Hostel I thought was Hostel fine. I thought was yeah fine is a good way to put it it yeah. was it got overhyped
1: because the name uh, Tarantino being attached to it right
0: because Tarantino so. agreed to put his name on it yeah that's, essentially that was I mean, that's his why people see like yeah.
1: <laughs> Not a bad movie by any means, but definitely not
0: worth the hype. And I'd say that's as far as watchable Eli Roth really goes. Yeah,
1: I mean, Green Inferno was an okay homage to Cannibal Holocaust. I never saw that one. Okay, it's basically a a very similar movie. There's a few different things that happen. I mean, it's about
0: just like kids getting involved with a cause they don't really know much about. I I saw clips where it's, like, people are getting eaten live, but then this girl starts, like, shitting her pants, (laughs) and and then, like... Oh, yeah, she does, just from, like, multiple things, but it's... And everyone's just kind of confused about the tone of the movie, I guess, is what everything I've read. That's a good way to put it. It's Um,
1: weird, because it'll go from something that crazy to them just kind of sitting there, just like, well, we're trapped. What
0: do we do? It's... Yeah. Yeah. Um so sorry Eli Roth I'd love to have Eli Roth on the podcast I'd like just I said, love to talk he, to him he's a one, great seems like a great guy to talk to he's a great conversation Um. so we're oh yeah, yeah in, in Bruges uh, so, dude so, it's fine we're gonna go off topic so, yeah, yeah yeah that's fine Uh, so we've talked about kind of leading up to when you first saw in Bruges so you saw in Bruges first time on Netflix actually
1: how old were you do you think when you saw Um, them? I was gonna say I think I had just graduated high school I graduated in 2011 okay. And at this time, as like I had a pretty substantial like DVD collection and stuff, but this is around the time before Netflix was really blowing up with like the uh, amount of stuff they had for streaming. Like A lot of people were still getting DVDs at this time. Right. But this was like the tail end of that. And I remember they were streaming in Bruges, because in Bruges came out in 2008, I believe. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we could fact check it if we I'll want. i fact check it. But I believe it's 2008. And uh, yeah, it was one of the more recent movies... 2008, yeah. you're right. Cool. And uh, it was one of the more recent movies, or the newest releases they had on Netflix at the time. That wasn't like an independent horror movie. It was right. like a somewhat mainstream thing that uh, had some like credentials to it. Because uh, Colin Farrell won uh, Golden Globe for Best Actor. I don't know if it got any Academy Awards, but I know uh, Colin Farrell got the... Uh, he got Best Actor at Golden Globes. And then uh, Brendan Gleeson got the nominee for Best Support
0: supporting uh yeah best performance by an actor sorry uh it looks like actually they both were nominated by best for best performance oh cool and then uh yeah that would 0-1. make sense support yeah. they were both like leads basically and then it was nominated best motion picture comedy or musical yeah and, uh at the oscars was nominated for best original screenplay
1: that actually makes sense, because from, like, a writing standpoint, it's...
0: Oh, it's a masterpiece, perfect. I Perfect.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I remember I watched it, and, it, again, it was one of those things, and I felt the same way about American Psycho, is, like, I enjoyed it the first time, and then I watched it again, and I was like, oh, now I get it. Yeah. And then you watch it, like, a third time, and you're just like, this might just be, like, the greatest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> for me, it's, like, neck and neck. I like uh, Imbrugge and American Psycho for two completely different reasons, just, like, the way American Psycho just looks at narcissism, yeah, and just like I mean, I, I I've gone on the record to say I find nar- like narcissism just hilarious, and I just exploring the idea of like being self
0: obsessed. It's just an interesting topic, and and, and I think uh, the what American Psycho did by like framing that in like 80s yuppie culture was yeah, genius because it it's also about capitalism kind of and about like a lot of other things commercialism yeah like, and the craziest thing about it is it, it they
1: made narcissism entertaining yeah and people are so generally annoyed by narcissism just in general right and I'm... And it, some people, like, it's kind of... I feel bad because, like, American Psycho has a similar reputation that, like, Fight Club does, I feel like.
0: Where it's, like, a, a, a dude-bro yeah, movie like, guy. But it's, like, fiction a, yeah, also. like, yeah like on
1: surface level, you just go, oh, that's just a bro-worship movie. Right, right. And it's, like, now it's about just... There's so much <laughs> more going on. Yeah, yeah. And, like, American Psycho, I feel the same way. it's It's just, like, yeah, it's making fun of that just right. level of self-obsession. This guy who's just,
0: like, yeah, he's a... Tool, <laughs> right? Well, it's it's one of those movies I think that falls into a category of like uh, the kinds of movies that are kind of ruined by the people who like it for the wrong reasons. Yes, you know there are people who love Fight Club just because they think Tyler Durden's a badass, and no, it's like they, that's they, not... yeah,
1: no, 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 there's Fight Club <laughs> fans and there's Tyler Durden fans.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. The people yeah. who like Fight Club because of Tyler Durden that they don't like Fight Club, they just like Tyler Durden. <laughs> right, they just see right. like a hot guy they wish they were.
0: It reminds me of the guys who had like. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street posters in their dorms mm-hmm. of, like, the quotes about all the drugs that he yeah. took. And I was like, like, did you see the last 45 minutes of the Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. Like, It's like they <laughs> they only saw, like, the first act. Yeah, I feel like,
1: uh, is Wolf of Wall Street the new college dorm room poster? I think it
0: is, yeah, yeah. Because there was, there was a... I mean, Tarantino kind of had that for a while, and then, like, Train Spotting was a big yeah. college dorm room poster movie. Fight Club, the Fight rules Club. of Fight
1: Club was one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh...
0: Yeah, Pulp Fiction was a big
1: one for a while. Uh, Reservoir Dogs was another one.
0: Yep, yep. Reservoir Dogs. Uh, there's, uh, I mean, if you go to the MSU, like they have the poster sale. Yeah. There's a bunch of the, uh, of the Wolf of Wall Street one of just the quotes of like the list of all the drugs that he took, which Man. I think is the new rules of Fight Club for sure. Yeah, um, I can see that. Yeah, I got one of uh, John Belushi in Animal House with a college written on his shirt and oh, he's yeah. drinking a Jim Beam. It's great. Uh, (laughs) That's another great movie that uh, could not be made today. Oh,
1: definitely not. There's There's some stuff in that movie. I I remember watching it as a kid and thinking, this is the funniest movie I've ever seen. You watch that now, especially with today's culture and the way we look at things, and I'm just like,
0: Well, yeah, it's like that and like Revenge of the Nerds, too, are ones where if I rewatched them, honestly, it's very recent that I have that perspective, that I can rewatch them and be finally be made uncomfortable where yeah. it's like maybe two years ago I would have been fine with it. It's yeah. just, yeah, I feel the same way about 16 candles. Like, oh yeah. For the, well, like for the most part, the movie, long I'm duck like, dog.
1: <laughs> Yeah. There's just a few parts in that where I'm like, this would not fly today. Right.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I uh, luckily, and I can say this pretty, uh, I can say this pretty confidently: is like the least politically active group in America are Asian Americans. Okay. So like nobody's gonna cancel sixteen candles. I think like like on our side, uh, same as uh, same with uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Weird side note. Why is that? You think? I don't know. I I, I mean I think it's. Just that we're all wrapped up in our own stuff, and I, I you're think you're too he, busy to
1: that's a, that would be the greatest reason you're too busy actually with things that
0: matter, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> I guess so. We're, we're like with, with our lives, the, yeah, then getting outraged about stuff, like I mean, because also you never see politicians really politically pandering to the Asian crowd, because yeah, you know, even like Andrew Yang isn't doing it very much, they're all kind of I've noticed you know, that. Uh, i I kind of like that about him. He isn't really... Yeah, I mean, because I, I think he knows, too. It's not going yeah. to be any oh, help. Oh, yeah, he would know better <laughs> than anybody. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think... Um, I mean, speaking of movies getting canceled, I mean, there's enough with Mark Martin McDonough as a writer where, yeah. I mean, he's a good enough writer that I don't think... Uh, oh, there was a bit of controversy with three billboards but yeah. he's he's doesn't shy away from his characters being like openly politically incorrect and it's yeah. just it feels very real you know yeah it's, i
1: mean i mean imagine a lot of the backlash was just probably from uh, a sam rockwell's character right Because, I mean... He's a
0: racist character that is a little sympathetic. He's a
1: little sympathetic, but you're also kind of like... You sit there, and also, too, Sam Rockwell in that movie, he makes that movie, I think. Oh, for sure, yeah. I think he's definitely the standout performance. Because, again, Mm -hmm. it's like that thing where sometimes watching his performance, it's so uncomfortably real... Yeah, like you, I feel kind of the same way. I mean, to a lesser extent, but like when you watch Black Klansmen, you just see these white actors being basically told to say the N word
0: over and (laughs) over and
1: over. I'm just picturing Spike Lee saying, "Say it again,
0: just (laughs) over and over and over." Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's just got to be like I mean, making that movie has to be intense. Just oh, for sure, especially when you tackle something like as. Especially as culturally,
0: like, relevant today. Right. racism. I remember seeing Black Klansmen in theaters and people just, like, audibly gasping and kind of shifting in their seats when you would have these long scenes of white people just saying the N-word over and over again. Because it's almost... To especially to white people, I think, they feel as if one of them is saying it, yeah. and they're like, wait, quiet. Like We're all going to get in trouble. You yeah. know? Just by being there present Like you look it. around a little bit. <laughs> right. you're just like, like, like you're going to get in trouble for watching the movie. Yeah, you feel else. like you're part of the meeting they're having. About, <laughs> it just
1: feels a little yeah. off. I remember I saw it actually with uh, the roommates. I saw it with Lou, who you just recorded an episode with. And uh, yeah, we had a big group. We saw it in theaters, and there was... I think there was one black guy in the theater. And there was a couple parts uh, where he... Prank calls uh, David Duke. Is his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He prank Topher calls Grace. <laughs> Topher Grace playing David Duke is so funny. The performance he, of the year. I yeah, think. where yeah. he prank calls him at the end or whatever after he hangs up the phone. Just this one black guy. He didn't stand up, but he put his hands over his head and just did this right
0: here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh no, I got no, the the applause in my theater like rivaled Avengers Endgame for, yeah. for that moment. Um, but uh, I, I, so I, I think the character is an in Bruges. You can definitely tell that Martin McDonough has this background in, uh, like, play as a playwright. Yeah, um, because it's all really, it's all very dialogue heavy. Uh, yeah. For the majority of the movie, it's almost a hangout movie where it's sort yeah. of this like Richard Linklater esque thing where it's just kind of people going about their like biding their time. But what what's so clever about it, especially when you rewatch it, is just how all of the mundane moments are all pieces that are going to pay off in the third yeah. act. Like, little things like Bre- uh, Brendan Gleeson, when he, he goes to the top of the, you know, the top of the tower, sets yep. up the third act. Uh, the moment where he punches the Canadian guy, which you think is just going to be a throwaway scene. That even yeah. leads you into the third act. Uh, there's a lot of things. It's very clever, and it's not it's not in your face, you know? I, there's I, not a lot of, like, exposition or anything. Right. It's a lot of... It's... Yeah, the, there's no obvious Chekhov's gun, like, uh, d- like if, if the guy was like, "Oh, you're gonna pay for punching me in the face" or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah Like it just comes back, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, that happened." Yeah,
1: especially know? that thir- when you because you mentioned something I was gonna bring up, like when he talks about the top of the tower or whatever. And um, spoiler alert. I mean, I imagine at this point.
0: Anybody, yeah, we're gonna totally spoil it. Yeah, we're gonna spoil we it, so
1: it. it. So if you haven't seen the movie, watch. Definitely it and then see. Come it. back. Twenty six minutes, twenty seven minutes in exactly. exactly. Uh, yeah, when he goes to the top of the tower the second time with Ray Fiennes, and he actually, like, he gets, he's shot at this point, and mm-hmm. then he takes the change out of his pocket, and he's, like, sprinkling the change he has. Right. Like, onto the ground. It's basically, you sit there and you're like, why is he throwing his change off? And you just see these people, like, backing up. Yeah. Like, cause he just, stuff's falling. There's, like, I want to get hit with this stuff. A few seconds go by, and that great soundtrack kicks in, whatever that song that plays.
0: Oh, yeah, that was, um, uh,.
1: I it's a good song. I just I'm trying to remember, I'm blanking on it because I remember I looked on up. Raglan
0: Road. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. gonna say because
1: I remember looking it up. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. At that moment, it's it's a little bit euphoric too. It's a it's, bit euphoric and it really sets up just like, and it's the way it's shot and then it just cuts to him and he's just kind of it's just him looking dead on. Right. And then just drops and then the way they kind of like shot it to like you're almost like him falling. Yeah. And then there's that huge splat and yeah. you're just like whoa right this well this comedy took a even darker turn
0: yeah i mean this is this like some people use the word black comedy and they throw it around a little too much i think where it's like you know if you have like a comedy about murder it's not necessarily a black comedy to yeah. the point where like in bruges is not afraid to kill off characters that you are attached to and yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously the whole thing centered around the death of a kid, where, yeah. you know, cause Colin Farrell accidentally killed this kid when he had to, he's a, you know, a hired, a hired, uh, assassin who, uh, I think, I guess it's implied it was his first job. It was, uh, think. yeah, he's like a new
1: hitman, and yeah. he's supposed
0: to kill the priest.
1: He And he does, and then it accidentally kills a kid. Yeah. Winning. And that's what makes him like just crazy and suicidal right. throughout the movie.
0: Right, right. And so, I mean, the whole movie, so the, the majority of the movie... Is, so after that, he's in Bruges, and it, one thing that's really interesting is that the whole movie, the entire movie is in Bruges. Yes. Uh, from the beginning to end, obviously, you have the flashback where he kills the priest, but it begins in Bruges, it ends in Bruges. Um, it, it almost uh, feels, and, and I, I think one obviously one theme of the movie is sort of like, uh, you know, paying for your sins, and there's a conversation between Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson about... Like purgatory and like heaven and hell and whether or not they believe in it. Yeah. And there's kind of this feeling throughout the whole time that Bruges is purgatory and there's just no escape from it. Yeah. And we never get to leave Bruges because the movie ends before that. Yeah, and they comes. leave
1: the uh, ending so open to like, uh, is he dead? Is he mm-hmm. not dead?
0: Well, yeah, and he even, uh, you know, talks
1: about. Oh, his like, monologue at the end is beautiful.
0: Yeah, yeah. The uh, it it well and it it's beautiful for multiple reasons because it's like. It will. It's funny. It's really. It's a very funny monologue at the end because it's just kind of highlighting how much he hates Bruges. Yes. Which, uh, which you know, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell. I think Martin McDonough said they kind of represented the two halves of him yeah. on vacation. Like, there's the one that's just like all this architecture and stuff is boring. I just want to get drunk and get laid or something. And the other part of him that's like, oh, I want to be a good tourist and I want to see all the sights and stuff like that. And, um, and so he just hated it. And um, the fact that at the end of it, he kind of. Uh, thinks that this might, that hell might just mean an eternity in Bruges, and that's why yeah. he didn't want to die. But that also completes his character arc of him no longer being suicidal and not wanting to die, even though it's for, like, such a goofy reason. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, which I think that's just a, that kind of wraps up Martin McDonough as a, as a writer really well. Just his, uh, how he uses something so, like, tragic Uh, and then just kind of uses the mundane feelings from it to make it funny but also, you know, meaningful. Well, the mundane things... To like make it all more meaningful,
1: I just think it makes it more real and makes it easier for us mm-hmm. to relate to the characters. But yeah. Yeah, it's also funny too. You mentioned just like how he hates Bruges, but it's so funny how they set him up like in the first act is like Brendan Gleeson loves Bruges. Yeah, like yeah. The cobblestone streets, like the tour on the canal. But then the thing, the one thing he gets excited about, they're filming midgets. Like, <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. second he says yeah. they're filming fucking midgets, and then he's just like, oh, there's a beautiful girl, and then it's just like he's so enthralled by just a midget. And yeah, he's just like yeah, it's. So so funny to me. And then it's just that just sets up how they're just these polar opposite people and what they care about and what's important to them. Yeah. In yeah. that moment.
0: Yeah. And, and um yeah, and, and I, I I mean the way that they made them so likable, it, it kinda reminds me a little bit of like Jules and Vincent in Pulp Fiction. Where right. you have these two guys who are hitmen, which is like a life that most likely most people who see this movie will not have no idea of what the life of a hitman is. Right. So it's this world that's completely, you know, uh that we're completely blind to. And the characters like are just easily humanized, like right off the bat, just because they, you know, they bicker like people. They care for each other a yeah. little bit, you know, professionally. Um, especially Brendan Gleeson caring for Colin Farrell because you know he ends up putting his life on the line for him. But uh, that was
1: another thing we didn't even get into was like when he jumped, it was he was still alive to be able to warn him. Yeah, like hey, he's here. Yeah. Like, and also, I could be wrong, but I was just, like, wasn't part of the reason he jumped was, like, if for even the hope, because he couldn't get down, because he was shot in the leg, correct? Right, right. So he couldn't get down to warn him if he wanted to walk down. It would take too long. So, like, him, like, sacrificing himself. He was going to kill himself. He was just guilty of, like, just everything he's done with his life. Mm -hmm. Like, him jumping, and then just being like, he's here, was, like, the last thing he said, take my gun. Yeah. So, like, the last good thing he could do was save this guy. He thinks could potentially save himself because one of the last things he does before he jumps we see is uh colin farrell's character uh kissing the girl Mm -hmm. so it's like it basically implied is like he has this potential to be happy again
0: and like get over his demons and whatnot so well and brendan gleason says something in this movie that to me is like one of the most simple ways to i think wrap get somebody to wrap their head around their own wrongdoings in life is when because you know Colin Farrell's eaten up about how he accidentally killed this little boy and he's like the little boy's dead because of me and Colin Farrell's or uh, Brendan Gleeson just tells him just like you know save the next little boy like you know there's no use in killing yourself and just that feeling of like by ending it you are you know kind of like you're invalidating your existence and you when you have the opportunity to make up for what you've done and you don't that's worse than if you were to just use your life for good later, yeah. and it just that the, the the save the next little boy obviously isn't you know literal, but the idea that you know it, it's I, I think if there's any like a non selfish way to convince somebody not to kill themselves like yeah. in that situation I think is I think it's one of the most beautiful parts of the movie.
1: Yeah, the idea that it's just like you could like you shouldn't kill yourself because you're still capable of doing good.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: that's uh. No, that's, it's kind. I'd be interested to see if like, uh, cause he is like like a playwright,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Martin. It, like, but like, it would be interesting to see in Bruges, like as like uh, like on Broadway. Oh yeah, something like that. Just to see like that translation, because having that background, I mean. He probably wrote that movie, like kind of in a similar way he would a play. And trying to imagine how they shot. Another thing, too, I've noticed is just, like, when you watch especially older movies, like those ones shot with a single camera Mm. kind of movies, they all kind of feel like plays, the way they're set up. Just, like, the scenery and all that kind of stuff. I know, it's just, like, I've been watching, I'm a big fan of, like, film noir and just watching a lot of that lately, like uh, Double Indemnity, Maltese Falcon, stuff like that. Yeah. Like even like some of the stuff where they're like like outside or whatever. It still very much feels like a
0: play, like right. a presentation. Even the way they talk. Mm-hmm. Like well, and you, a lot of it's the way it's shot yeah. specifically too. It's there's not a lot of close ups. Yeah. there's a lot of you know masters where you kind of see everybody and the blocking is a lot more prominent
1: and the way yeah. they like were like one character go or excuse me bleh, one character will be at the door and then one will come across and walk in just such a weird fashion almost like they are doing a play in front of a live audience it's, yeah it's very interesting and i feel like in bruges could very easily be adapted into like a
0: yeah i'd say like a good two-thirds of this movie plays out sort of like it could be a play. Where yeah. you know, it's it's a few locations. You have the same characters kinda coming back. Uh I was, like he meets uh 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 Colin Farrell meets this girl Chloe, uh yeah. who he he woos with an incoherent rambling speech about uh the they way they midget's wanting... killing themselves.
1: Yes. <laughs> like, he just he panics
0: yeah. at first and then he's right. just
1: like I have to say something interesting and the first <laughs> thing that came up like came up was something that actually is something that just pretty much is very much colin farrell or colin farrell's character is just like his obsession with midgets right we've right. learned and just saying
0: yeah yeah the, statistically speaking a lot of them kill themselves and that's i mean that's such and re-watching it because i rewatched it this morning i hadn't seen it in a couple years um it's so clever i think the way that that is that's introduced as just like a weird character quirk of colin farrell's yeah that, you know he's has this interest in in, in little people and uh but then they're setting you up, obviously, for the finale where uh, you're going to have the main little person uh, dressed as a schoolboy get his head blown off and mistaken as a child yeah. at the end, which is uh, w- w- which does not feel like a setup at all, just because yeah. the way things play out so naturally for right. the majority of the movie. Um, and because they're making a... They're, they're filming a remake of... Don't look now, or a, yeah. or a or a homage or something.
1: Yeah, Don't look now Shit. is the one with uh, Donald Sutherland. Donald
0: Sutherland and Julie Christie. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's another really dreamlike. Move. Was that shot in Bruges or I like, I like somewhere think that around? one was in similar. Venice. Yeah, that something. had to be yeah. Venice. There's like canals, and it's just like it's a really eerie feel being in a city like that. Yeah. Especially like the like the smaller woman with like the, uh, the red coat
0: and all yeah. That. yeah, it's that's another criterion. Mm. Oh, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I think, uh, and the kinds of comedy in this movie, I think, springs from. There's some very straightforward, broad comedy where, like, uh, there's the overweight American family that wants to go to the top yeah. of the tower, and they're and uh, Colin Farrell's just like You're just a bunch of fucking elephants, yeah. and like, and then they he like chases them around, but then gets out of breath. And I just it, it was today when I rewatched it, a guy, the guy who works there, mentions later that they had to close it down because an American had a heart attack. Yep, <laughs> it's like a direct. It's a nice little subtle. Oh
1: wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Uh, Which was really funny. Um, But then there's even things like how things ironically come together with, uh, you know, with the little person uh, being mistaken for a little boy at the end. It's not a laugh-worthy moment, because it's tragic, but it's kind of funny in the way that things just happen to come together this way, uh, and to kind of bookend the movie with a sequence very similar to what happened with the priest. Yeah. Um, Because we do, I mean, I think one of the greatest, one thing I really love in movies are, like, foreboding villains that, you know, where there's a lot of build-up to meeting them. And so, like, Ray Fiennes is the villain of the movie. He's their boss, Harry. Um, And you don't see him physically on screen until probably an hour in. Yeah. Uh, You you just hear him, like, on the phone and uh, his voiceover when they're uh, reading the notes. And... Um, which is a great buildup, I think, because they just talk about him, and he's you know he says the f word a lot, and he's really like they're scared of him. Yeah, like, they
1: sound he's this big
0: menacing guy, and then you just find out he's just like a dad. Yeah, yeah, and he's kind of when he's upset, it's funny. Like yeah. he, he's, you're not that scared of him. It's when a he's kid me- having
1: a temper tantrum. Right,
0: when he smashes the phone, the you're an inanimate object. You're a fucking inanimate object. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he's just got kids, and he like apologizes to his wife for calling her an inanimate object. And the funny thing about Harry is that like yeah, he's technic you know he's the villain because he wants colin farrell dead for what he did but it's all based in this very strict principle yeah um and he's he's definitely the most principled character in the movie and therefore the the bad guy of the movie because of his strict adherence to his principles
1: yeah but then at the end when he thinks he killed a kid right his principles and he's just like
0: I can't undo this. His literally last line is like, "I have to stick to principle," and yeah. then just shoots himself. It shoots in the himself, in the mouth. yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, which which is great. I think it's like even he is a character that could have easily just been a one dimensional character. Yeah. But there's Could've so been. much you learn about him in such little time. Yeah. Where I, I love the conversation he has with uh, Brendan Gleeson, and um, the way that the they... the one they're having downstairs with the beer. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I guess they have these two separate conversations. Yeah, they have
1: the one downstairs with the beer where they're yelling back and forth. He's just like, "You're a cunt, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, hope you make more cunt kids. Take, don't talk about my it's kids. Like, retract, what are... retract, what you, retract my... what you said about. my kids. Retract
1: what you said about my kids. <laughs> okay. Insult retracted.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And it's like it's very kind of polite where it's just like, okay, like I retracted that. Okay. Didn't I? And then uh, the way that Brennan Gleason, you know, he owes it to him because uh, he avenged Harry avenged his wife, the yeah. death uh, of Brennan Gleason's wife. So he's just sort of like, I know what you have to do. And doesn't try to put up a fight or anything and then the when he ends up kind of professing his love to Harry for what he did uh, you have that wonderful moment where Harry's just like well you know I can't shoot you now can I and yeah. then like just shoots him in the leg and and then tries to carry him down like yeah. it's th- he's such a human character in a lot of ways where it's like yeah, he's you know he's a crime boss, yeah. and it's a li- it's a life that I'll never know. But his principles make sense. There's like a shred
1: of humanity there. That oh, still for sure. Exists. Yeah, it's also funny too. Whenever they're having like uh, just like a gun, like a chase or like anything with guns like even at the end uh they really another character that could have just been a one-dimensional character and she's not like a prominent character by any means but the uh the pregnant hotel oh yeah she's great yeah she's great and like uh the relationship she has with brendan gleason and uh colin farrell throughout the movie is interesting like because uh you know brendan gleason and her have friendly conversation and then um i would say um Colin Farrell is starting to have slowly have a better relationship with her then there's the point where he gave her like what was it like I think
0: 200 200
1: euros yeah and uh Asked, like, what kind of, like, was a boy or girl? Mm. And, like, uh, give it to the kid or whatever. Right. Like, all that guilt was kicking in about him uh, killing the kid. And then he was in the park. And Brendan Gleeson sneaks up behind him. And as he puts the gun in front of him, he
0: sees him put it to his head. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? I, that's such a great moment where Brendan Gleeson's, a, he, he's been ordered to kill Colin Farrell. And he's about to shoot him. And then when he sees Colin Farrell's about to shoot himself. Yes. He has to stop him. Which is, it's goofy. And obviously, like, Ray finds calls it out later. Yeah. But it. You understand, like in the heat of the moment, how it's like in in his mind, it's in his control whether or not he kills him. Yeah. But once he sees he's about to do it, he thinks he has to stop it because yeah. he cares about him. I and mean, he doesn't want him to commit suicide. He doesn't want that to be his death. You know. And then that actual confrontation of just like he, he's like, what the what the fuck are you doing? He's, he's like, like, nothing. Well, yeah, he's like, nothing. <laughs> what the
1: fuck are you doing? Yeah. Just like you're gonna kill me. No, you were
0: gonna kill yourself. Like, yeah. It was like, it's such a, it's like such an absurd kind of uh, farcical confrontation, but it's. That's again, it's, it's very human though. It it's very sense. human, but it's also
1: what's crazy is just how funny that scene is for mm-hmm. how fucked up it really is. Like, oh yeah, and like,
0: how it's such a dramatic turning point for the story. Yeah, too. but
1: you can't help but just like laugh because it's so ridiculous
0: of just yeah. like you're gonna fucking kill me you were going to kill yourself. Like a whodunit sort of thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think a movie like this, what makes the comedy hit so hard is how it's okay with taking long stretches without laughs. You know? Yes. Like, it'll have this, like a scene like the flashback where he kills the kid, and there's nothing funny about that scene whatsoever. But... Because of those long stretches, when you lead to those dramatic clashes where something funny does happen, it's so much funnier. It's so much funnier and it just feels more organic and of so yeah.
1: forced where it's just like, oh, you wrote a joke there.
0: Right. It doesn't feel like they're following this formula of like, we got to have a joke every page. You yes. know, we got to have a laugh. We got to time it we out keep or else it rolling. We people keep are going to get bored. Yeah. But it's like, I, I won't get bored because I'm invested in the characters and right. the story. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I love that. And. Um, I think uh, the, obviously, since Colin Farrell's learned what he's learned from what happened with the kid, uh, he has that dialogue with uh, Ray Fiennes where he's like, uh, you know, how about like we? I'm gonna go out the window, uh, and then you can shoot at me from, you know, yeah. There. I was
1: about to say uh, just the fact that he basically negotiates like, oh, okay. Because oh, he's he, like, you could shoot me, but you gotta wait for the hotel. You gotta wait for her to leave.
0: Right. Yeah. It's just like promise, promise. <laughs> right. Well, and then it's also you feel safe in that. Like, Ray Finds doesn't want to kill anybody. He doesn't have to kill. You know. Right. So like his whole thing, like he's like, yeah, sure, like I'll do it, but like you know, he's like, I better not like run out there and then I you find you hiding in a cupboard somewhere. Like yeah. this moment of like this kind of honor amongst you know amongst yeah. villains. <laughs> it's
1: it becomes almost childlike that mm-hmm. whole like pinky promise.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And uh, even the moment when Colin Farrell gets shot is funny when he's on the boat and he's like, oh, he's too far away, but he's not. And yeah. He just totally gets like, a perfect shot. Um, and, uh, I mean, what what feeling are you left with by the end of this movie? Because the, the movie is pretty open-ended. You don't know if the main character is right. going to survive or not. You have this weird, you have this kind of moment where he's being brought in on the stretcher and he sees kind of all the supporting characters there, yeah. like the woman from the hotel, the guy who he blinded, uh, and then the girlfriend... And then, you know, he has that monologue about not wanting to die. Like, what do you feel by the end of it?
1: Um, I can actually tell you, because, like, the first three times I saw it, I had three completely different feelings. The first okay. first time, it was just confused. Like, because, I mean, it really is a lot to process. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one, I was just like... I was sad because, again, it's still open ended, but you kind of felt bad for the guy because you realize just how human he is. And then the third time I saw it, I was just like, "Wow!" I, I like you. Kind of have this like feeling that life is beautiful because you see, you even because the way this movie like it shows. It really showcases Bruges as this like beautiful city, like yeah, it's such yeah. it's like its own. It's and like you a character get that
0: itself. through the lens of uh, Brendan Gleeson a lot, where he yeah. specifically is saying like, "This is a beautiful city." Like, I'm glad I got to see it. You know? Yeah, like
1: and, Bruges itself is a character essentially. And uh, the other thing too is just like, the movie does a great job of taking these characters who, in most cases, are would be generally unlikable people, and showing right. like the actual humanity and what makes them good. Oh yeah, and just like being able to show that especially like in this beautiful city it's just kind of just makes it it really makes the world seem like a more beautiful place and i just kind it made me feel good the third time i saw it
0: yeah so. and the movie is not afraid and and i you can kind of see this with a lot of stu- i think with all three of martin mcdonough's movies is it gets to a point where you are kind of fooled into thinking everything might be okay with yeah. the moment that, even like when it, even with the moment where Ray Fiennes decides he's not going to kill Brendan Gleeson, and you're like, oh okay, so like you know, because you kind of like Ray Fiennes, like he's got a family, you know, he's you at least understand you him. you understand him. Yeah, I don't know if it's say, fair to say that you like him because he, obviously he's the he's the antagonist of the movie, right? But. Um and then everything just gets ruined by the circumstances set up by the fact that he punched that Canadian and wasn't able to get out of Bruges. yeah, so then that's how Ray finds finds out he's there and then we get into the third act of the movie where you know so many people die <laughs> and uh, I think a similar thing happens with seven psychopaths where you genuinely grow to like those characters in like a Seinfeld kind of way, and a couple of them like you know, they get picked off at the end and uh, the way that I think three billboards also kind of gives you false hope, and then you don't get the, you know, the, um, satisfaction that you want. And it's, like, in other wo- movies, I feel like that would might feel cheap and unearned, but the fact that everything in the movie sets up that third act feels earned, I yeah. think. Um and that it's so. I'm I'm just like a sucker for setups and payoffs altogether too. Yeah. So like the fact that everything comes around in that movie, I think. The fact is that everything
1: great. comes around, but even the stuff like at first before the third act, you're kind of you were talking about how it all ties in at the end. Mm-hmm. Even the stuff that at the time it feels like, why is this part here? Yeah. All of that's still entertaining though on its oh, own. Yeah. Like where um they're having the conversation uh with the midget and the hookers. Yeah. About, like, this war between the whites and the blacks and what side will be on it. Because in, <laughs> yeah. in that conversation, we also learn about uh, Brendan Gleeson's wife. We right. find out uh, he, his wife was black, she, uh, killed by a white man. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of ties in later, talking about how uh, Ray Fine's character is, like, 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 got the guy
0: who killed his wife yeah he's yeah. sort of yeah he got the guy who killed brendan gleason's yeah, wife yeah. and that's why brendan gleason so at the time it day.
1: seems like a throwaway conversation to have or not a throwaway but it seems like uh it was just like an in the moment like reaction to like this conversation happening mm-hmm. but then you tie it all in with all this like stuff outside of that conversation and yeah. it was uh
0: yeah it was good yeah and i think brendan gleason compliments Colin Farrell is a character so well where it's like on their own I don't, the characters wouldn't work as well it's the yeah. fact that they're together and yin and yang yeah and, and Brendan Gleeson's just he's this perfect example of like almost the kind of person you want to be in a way where he he fully acknowledges what's good in his life Yeah. you know obviously like his life isn't the life you'd want to have but, but he fully yeah he's taking he he's
1: telling people like this is the good. He's not like wallowing in self-pity or anything. He oh, knows yeah. there are good things in his life, and he's acknowledging that they exist. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: and uh, and and then also the good in the all the people he knows, yeah. both both Colin Farrell and Ray Fiennes, where he, you know, he appreciates them for you know, different reasons. And obviously he sees the good in Colin Farrell and sees what he can do with his life. And uh, I think that's like it's M- Martin McDonough on two occasions, I think with both this and three billboards, made movies that made me want to change things about the way I do think... Like, I, the way I act yeah. when I saw them. Um, they both, I think, uh, really made me want just want to be, like, a less angry... <laughs> or, like, less hateful person sometimes. Oh, a movie sometimes. made
1: you want to be a better person?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Which doesn't I often agree. happen. Like, oftentimes a movie will ma- emotionally manipulate you, and you, you're into it for a while, and then it's over, and you're like, all right. And you or go you back move to on being, to whatever you were doing that day. Right, I go back to being the horrible person that I am. <laughs> but, like, uh, so, like, movies like these, like, I genuinely, like, I'll think about Brennan Gleason in, yeah. <laughs> in this movie and think about, like, why can't I just be like him? You know, why can't I just enjoy things? And, uh, and, and the way that he even, like... Faces his own mortality in a very content way, uh, having experienced what, you know, having experienced Bruges. And that that was like, he's something he's glad he got to do. Um, And I think uh, one thing that's really important about Bruges uh, is the Catholic imagery in the entire thing. Like, it's obviously super religious. And that kind of leads into the theological discussions that they have, which kind of you know, plays into the theme of like purgatory and uh, you know repenting for your sins, um, but I think uh, the, that is such a natural way to incorporate it into the script where it's like, did you ever see a a, a ghost story with uh, Casey is Affleck? A ghost story with Casey Affleck? Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara, yeah.
1: Um, no, it it it's called a ghost story. Because isn't there a horror movie called A Ghost Story from like the '80s? Because that's what I'm thinking of.
0: I think that might be a separate. Okay, ghost let me. Story. Just, There's a recent movie called A Ghost Story. Which I was going to
1: ask real quick because I just because I'm going to forget if I don't. Have you seen Calvary with Brendan Gleeson? Yes. Isn't that the? Isn't that Martin McDonough's brother? Yes. yes. Martin
0: yes. McDonough's brother did two other movies with Brendan Gleeson: Calvary and The Guard. Uh, okay. Which are all both great movies too. Uh, I'd say like if you want more Martin McDonough it's and called a ghost story you're right yeah okay just the same title i think because there is a movie called
1: uh a ghost story or ghost story it's uh there's it's
0: been... yeah i think i know you're there is a movie called ghost story i think from the 80s and then there's ghost stories
1: yeah what it's just it? called ghost stories it's actually a really good horror movie i'd highly recommend it to people
0: which one the uh, ghost, stories. ghost from story okay yeah i haven't seen that yeah. um uh, Very good. but have you seen A Ghost Story with uh, Casey uh, Affleck
1: here's the thing is uh, I like Casey Affleck as an actor I have not seen the movie I also really like Rooney Mara yeah. both as an actress and I like from like a celebrity crush standpoint oh, I sure, think she's yeah. just adorable um, and I love her in uh uh the, Girl Nightmare with the Dragon. Oh, okay. I was going to say Girl with a Dragon <laughs> Tattoo. Uh, the Nightmare
0: on Elm Street remake. Because she
1: gets her revenge on a guy who actually looks very much like Brendan Gleeson. It's just like this <laughs> yeah, big, yeah. jolly kind of looking dude. That is a great movie. That is a um, great revenge scene, too. Yeah. It's dark, but... It's uh, satisfying. It's little, satisfying yeah. as hell.
0: Um, But uh, the movie A Ghost Story has this... It's a good movie. I, It's, it's an interesting movie. I, I'd recommend it. Would you recommend just seeing it by yourself? Yes, it's yeah. definitely like an R. C. It's not a party movie, gotcha. Sure. But there's a scene in that movie. Speaking of parties, about like halfway through, where you have like this classic like uh, neck bearded uh, hipster guy, who goes into this long monologue where he's kind of talking about the point of the movie, and he's talking about like, hey man, like in the future, and, and it, it's it's this very like. Uh, heady thing that, like, only a pretentious guy at a party would say. But it feels like, and I don't know if this was intentional, but it feels like the movie kind of stops for this guy's monologue. And... Like, the guy himself paused the movie to say some stuff, and then hits play again. Right. It's one of those things where you can see the words on the page, you know? You can see that this was typed up in a script, and it's like, oh, this is gonna be beautiful. And it's like, as a monologue, it's very nicely worded, and it's nice, but it's like, it's also, like, it forgets it's in a movie. And I think... Kind of the opposite of that is what in Bruges does, where it's very, uh, it feels within character of everybody. It feels natural in the course of the movie that uh, Colin Farrell would be wondering about heaven and hell because of what he's done and things like that, and uh, and then also plays into the theme of the movie without the movie going. This is the theme of the movie, you know, um, like without it telling you what essays it wants you to write about it, <laughs> like yeah, um, but yeah, I mean obviously, I, a ghost story is still good. I'd recommend it. But, uh, that's, that's something I really appreciate, I think, in this movie, is just that, uh, all the, all of the things that could take you out of the movie are just so, like, it's so natural, you know? Um, Yeah. But
1: one thing I appreciate is that this movie actually made money. Because sometimes when like a movie like this doesn't do well, like I mean, you and I would be like, "Oh, this is the greatest movie we've ever seen. This is great. We want more things like this." Mm -hmm. But then people are just looking at the box office, just like, "Well, people aren't buying it." But this it made the nice guys. Yeah, the nice guys. (laughs) God, the nice guys was so good. It's fantastic. Uh, What a fun! They don't make buddy cop movies the same way. Oh
0: definitely not. like that's... that was the closest we'll get to like a, like a lethal weapon. yeah I
1: think. that yeah. was like our modern day lethal weapon. That mm-hmm. was millennials lethal weapon.
0: yeah but that's okay. We'll get more we'll get more central intelligences and yeah <laughs> we'll get Stuff more we'll, we'll get right along nine you know? <laughs> um, that'll be our that'll be the lethal weapon franchise that we tell our kids about mm-hmm.
1: um,
0: <laughs> yeah Johnny and I are both having kids. <laughs> according
1: to this conversation oh yeah, case, yeah. yeah well yeah. that
0: will tell our our siblings kids yeah, about of course of course yeah, yeah. um have you seen uh i forget martin McDonough's brother's name i feel bad that i don't remember it but i
1: don't remember it either have you just, seen his
0: movies um calvary? i've seen calvary
1: okay that's why i brought it up is because calvary is really good and it's also just showcases how good of an actor brendan gleason is playing oh, yeah. this priest just kind of doing this whodunit of who wants to kill him
0: yeah and that's also a movie that it's very similar where it's it's deals with some dark stuff but it's very funny you know it's very think, funny but
1: it also you can like tell it's martin McDonough's brother just because it's yeah. just, it like i feel like it's like did martin write a script and his brother just stole it <laughs> like, it, it really well, i think
0: he's the older brother apparently so i interesting. I don't know if it, i don't know who started working first or who started working with brendan gleason first uh martin McDonough's early short film also had brendan gleason in it too is uh, that the one with uh it was six shooter i think was the name uh right i never saw it but i've heard of it um but brendan gleason i just think altogether is a really underrated actor i see him in a lot of stuff like a lot of thankless roles like small roles and stuff um <clears throat> and like i feel like a lot of people don't even really know him by name but i'm always if you he's a, like a guy you might not know his name but if you saw his face you're like, guy. yeah he's that dude he's yeah. one of that guys kind of <laughs> yeah
1: yeah that's the best way i could describe is he in
0: harry potter I feel like I he... believe he is. Okay.
1: Cuz a roommate, uh, when I was rewatching it the other uh before you got here, uh a roommate pointed out he was somebody in Harry Potter. Okay. I'm curious what his big Most
0: British actors were in Harry Potter.
1: Uh yeah, he is best known for his performances as Alistair Moody in the Harry Potter films. Oh, there we go. Here's the thing. I like Harry Potter is <coughs> like I do enjoy Harry Potter, but I've only seen like the first two. <laughs> right. Whenever there's like a franchise with like how many Harry Potter movies are there? 8?
0: Seven books, eight movies. Okay.
1: It's not that I dislike Harry Potter. It's just like sometimes I just get lost because there's so much stuff out there. I get just like lost in it. Uh, it's hard to
0: uh, say, like, instead of watching these six different movies, I'm going to watch the next six Harry Potter movies. Yeah,
1: like, and I have a lot of friends who watch Harry Potter, or like Harry Potter, a a lot of them being comedians, and it's just, uh, I don't dislike it, I just, I don't have much to contribute, because I've only seen the first two movies, and the second one, I feel like I've only seen chunks of.
0: Well, there's something, uh, in a way, it's like, I'm very hesitant in, like, joining the fan bases, and this I don't mean to sound this is, I don't mean to want this to sound pretentious but when you join something like Harry Potter which is like The probably the most like mainstream, most widely beloved nerd thing, you know, it's like there's something more rewarding in joining like a cult thing where you can therefore be like one of the most knowledgeable people. But it's like if I get into Harry Potter, I'm going to be the 600th biggest fan of Harry, maybe like the millionth biggest fan of Harry Potter. Yeah, but
1: if you're a fan (laughs) of like they live, they live. Yeah,
0: I'm the fifth biggest fan of they live, you know, or like repo man, like you were saying repo man. Yeah, that's
1: another really underrated uh, 80s. Uh, who wrote that movie? Um, oh, who made that movie? It's not Cronenberg, is it? No, no. Cronenberg made. Uh, uh, what did Cronenberg make that I got on uh, Criterion?
0: Scanners. Uh, Scanners is on Criterion.
1: Also. Um, wait, wait, no wait, no yeah, uh, video drum. Video drum is Videodrum. what. Yeah,
0: yeah, with uh, with. Uh, with uh, James, James Woods. James Woods from Family yeah. Guy. We were talking about that earlier. Um, uh, Repo Man is by a guy named Alex Cox. Alex Cox. That, yeah. Yeah, I should have known that. <laughs> um, who also did Repo Chick. I Repo never, Chick. I never okay. knew about that movie. I, I did, did not, not know about Repo Chick. A, I, I not, had to remind a myself a geno-
1: that they made an American Psycho 2 with Mila Kunis.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that did you know they, they filmed that as its own movie, and then they, in post they changed it into American Psycho 2. Just a They pulled a Troll 2 on it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is like... That seems like an absurd thing to do, because like Troll Two that did that, and that did, that movie did that, but then also you have like uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane did that, and that's yeah. like a good movie. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, any, any movie can just sell itself as a sequel. Um, but yeah, I think um, I don't know. Do do you have anything more else to say about, uh, in about In
1: Bruges? We can top this off right at exactly one hour. I oh,
0: think. oh wow, perfect. Yeah. Um, I I guess. My question about so th- th- this is easily the best of Martin McDonough's films. I oh no doubt in my. Opinion, uh, at least. For, you said for you it's In Brew, Seven Psychopaths, then Three Billboards. Yeah, and also
1: too, I may. I mean, I might have to rewatch Three Billboards because yeah. I mean, my opinion might change. I've seen it twice. I saw it in theaters, and then I saw it once on demand.
0: Yeah, me too. I. Uh, I like I, I drove my friend back to U of M after uh, Thanksgiving break is also an excuse so I could see it at the Michigan Theater and then I yeah I watched it at home I think I I think I need to rewatch Seven Psychopaths because I've only seen that one once uh, so for me per- still it's I think in Bruges Three Billboards Seven Psychopaths uh, but all three of his movies are great I think he's Obviously, he's not, I hesitate to call him underrated because he's an award-winning writer. Underrated is not the
1: word, but he's kind of just like, I'd say hidden gem because not, yes. not enough people know who he is.
0: Everybody who knows who he is likes him, yes. from what I understand. Uh, it's just, I think not enough people have heard of him.
1: <laughs> yes, I think, yeah, I, that doesn't constitute, I'd say, is underrated either. I definitely think it's just... Uh,
0: um, Underexposed. Yeah, right. there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, definitely, I mean, hopefully you've seen Imbrugge if you're listening to this at this point, uh, yeah. cause we've talked, uh, but if not, I hope
1: uh, it makes you want to watch it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess, uh, to close it off. Do you have a, do you have like a favorite quote from Imbrugge or a favorite, favorite uh, quote from Imbrugge or a favorite moment?
1: Um, good question. Oh, um. Uh, after uh, the scene where uh, Colin Farrell and Chloe are having dinner together and then she gets up and then the dude's bitching about their cigarettes or whatever. Yeah. And then he punches uh, the guy and then he's just like, uh, I forget the exact quote, but uh, she has a wine bottle. And he's like, wine bottle? Not gonna risk it. And then he punches her too. <laughs> and right. then.
0: That's another thing that was
1: kind of set up
0: yeah. earlier on with the bottle and then pays off. Yeah. But the,
1: the funniest part is when they're outside he's just like, I would never hit a woman. It, unless she had a wine bottle it was then it was in or self-defense and then she's like I gotta make a phone call he's like oh you're gonna
0: tell me to fuck off for hitting that fucking pig or something like that
1: <laughs> and then she gives him a kiss and it just cuts to something else so it is like, a great that, moment that's a really funny scene
0: it's a little kind of under like a thing about the movie that I don't think about much is the fact that Chloe is like it must be, like, a total weirdo for what attracts her to Colin Farrell. Yeah. It's his, like, rant about midgets killing themselves, and then the moment after he punches a woman in the face. Well, I mean, it's and also they
1: also, she confesses that sometimes they rob tourists. Right, right. But then the other thing, too, is uh, Colin Farrell like, I knew it was too good to be true, like, that, like, somebody nice wouldn't like him. Right, right. And that, like, made her feel, like, less weird because her first instinct was just to kiss him. Yeah. Because, like, it was the first time she had felt like a normal person. And it was the first time he had probably felt like a normal person. Yeah. So...
0: And she's a character, too, that could have been so one-dimensional. It could have been a character that just... Yeah. Like, she just... is the girl that likes Colin Farrell. I would
1: say she's definitely the least fleshed out of, like, the main characters, but I don't think she needed to be Well,
0: yeah, she's a character that kind of exists in the, like, peripheral vision of the movie, where it's like you believe that there's a life she has outside of this, and she doesn't exist solely for being a character, you know, Uh, which I think is the highest compliment you can give to somebody as a writer when they make a character feel real. I I was thinking... uh, something i wrote down i just like when he talked about why he doesn't like Bruges, and it's like that he grew up in dublin or that he's from dublin yeah and he said uh if i grew up on a farm and was retarded Bruges might impress me but i didn't so it doesn't like, it's <laughs> moments like that they're really fast talking like con farrell is just so great and uh yeah this the way that it, the wit just like rolls off their tongues in this movie oh is yeah really great
1: i mean the other one would be the obvious which i feel like most people would have the same answer so
0: what exactly am I trying to say you're a bunch of fucking elephants like
1: that, that's <laughs> yeah. still the, one of the great lines and it's really early on in the movie and it can really set you up for like the sense of humor you're going to get for the rest of the movie
0: yeah yeah. so, uh, so is there anything else you wanted to say about Inverush? Um dude I think it, we covered all our bases plus all, a bunch of other stuff a bunch of so. other stuff too yeah uh, well, I can't wait to... I mean, you're already having me excited about doing the uh, the Halloween episode. Oh, dude, like, we can plan
1: multiple can, ones, man. Yeah, we can make yeah. lists.
0: We can talk about
1: ones you should watch on Halloween, ones that are actually scary, the best worst. Yeah, best worst.
0: Uh, even Christmas-themed horror movies. There's, like, a bunch of those. We should do <laughs> the week of horror, and then we could just knock out one a week. Or that one, would be good. One yeah. every day for a week. We, that would that be, could be fun. Yeah, yeah. I'll, like, yeah. backlog them. We'll do them, and then, like, uh, yeah. Yeah, we, we both have our coffee.
1: Day. We just gotta sit down. We'll make our
0: lists. We'll get real geeky, and then get all spooky that's that's why you make podcasts really it's just to indulge in that kind of yeah, stuff
1: let's indulge
0: <laughs> um do, do you want to plug anything
1: um actually i'll plug one thing because we're contemplating bringing it back in the fall i run a i used to run a movie show called cinema roast crunch it's a mystery science uh theater themed comedy show it's a single elimination tournament uh mst3k show and, uh, whether we do it at a venue or the basement of my house, um, I assume anybody listening to this is a fan of movies, um, if that interests you go to Facebook at cinema Rose crunch or on Instagram at cinema Rose crunch. And, uh, tell me you want that to happen some more. And then,
0: uh, enough people say they're into it. I'll bring it back, cause uh, I'd love to make fun of Faithful Findings again. <laughs> I I would love to be there for a public screening of Faithful Findings. I think we're gonna
1: make yeah. it happen. It's too. It's just too funny not to.
0: Yeah, yeah. A public brain screaming. Screaming. Like, just to see a Breen movie, a yeah. Neil Breen movie with other people, I think is
1: Especially just, people who haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: When they don't know what to expect.
1: Yeah, Neil Breen, Burdemic. There's a few movies that I think... Oh,
0: Burdemic's up
1: there. The world yeah. needs to have see.
0: Have you... Did, have we talked about Wacaliwood? Uh Who Killed Captain Alex? Uh, you had mentioned it to me, and I feel like I had heard the name, but I had not seen look it. Look into that. I recommend looking... Just looking into... One more time for the people listening? Uh, who Killed Captain Alex. Okay. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah I think that's all for us um, thanks so much Brad this was a blast thanks for having me of an autumn day I saw her first and anew alright that does another episode of We Are Movies thank you so much for listening uh, thanks to Brett Hayden for coming on and talking about In Bruges uh, if you ever see him on a lineup or uh, see the opportunity to go see one of his headlining shows, uh, go do that. Uh, he's worth money. Um, uh, go follow him on all the social medias, too. Uh, and you can follow us on uh, Instagram at WeAreMoviesPod. You can also like our Facebook page. Um, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter or Letterboxed at Johnny Mockney. Um, it's very simple nobody took that username before I did so I took it Um, that's all for today friends and uh, just remember as you go forward in life we can all be a little bit more like Brendan Gleeson